0: There are so many of us committed to improving the lives of the youth in our communities. The In It for Youth podcast is a place for us to come together, from professionals who work with and serve youth, to those that champion issues affecting children, to community advocates and stakeholders, and insightful young minds, too. The In It for Youth podcast is a tapestry of voices united by a dedication to youth well-being and empowering the young generations of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Jamie Gale, and I'm so glad you've joined me on this team that is In It for Youth. Hello, and welcome back to the show. I am really excited to introduce you to my guest today. She is an expert in helping kids grow and develop important skills they need to be successful as they navigate day-to-day life as a young child, and that will support them as they grow into adulthood. My guest today is Callie Studebaker. Callie is a doctor of occupational therapy who lives near Columbus, Ohio, with her husband and two daughters. Callie is the owner of Confident Kids Therapy, a mobile occupational therapy practice. She serves children in their homes and provides a family-centered and strength-based approach to occupational therapy. Callie works with kids on fine motor skills, gross motor skills, handwriting, activities of daily living, and regulation. She is currently developing an online course called The Confident Kindergartner. Congratulations on all of your impact on Youth well-being, Kelly, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. That was an amazing intro. Thank you. (laughs) So let's start with your current work with youth. Can you fill us in on your business and your OT practice? You go into different homes for your services, so I would love to know more. The
1: convenience factor is for sure a pro. I started my practice when we moved back to Ohio from Virginia, so we're both from Ohio. And I used to be in early intervention, which goes into the homes. And I found that to be just like, this is what OT is. And I love the fact that we could work on those skills in their natural environment and with the parent involved. And I just fell in love with that setting. And then I moved to Virginia, moved to a pediatric outpatient setting. And that's where just like my skills really grew. I was surrounded by these amazing OTs. And I just learned so much from them. And when we moved to Ohio, I was like, okay, I want to blend these two. Like there has to be some way where I can be this OT that has the time and the dedication to spend without being spurring out seeing kids back to back to back in an outpatient setting, but also be in their homes. And I just wanted to blend these together. So I created Confident Kids Therapy. And it's grown since then. It's been two years. And I do travel to the children's homes, or we can meet somewhere. I've met at kids sensory gems, like we rock the spectrum is a popular gem uh, around the nation and around the world. And there's one here in Columbus that I have treated kids in. Uh, I've met kids at the library. And just being able to have that flexibility is really nice. And, yeah, I see kids from 3 up to 12, 13 years old working on just a wide range of skills. And I feel like occupational therapy can be a bit confusing to people because we can work on so many different things and we see the spectrum. We can treat sensory, we can treat fine motor skills, we can treat regulation and address activities of daily living, confidence building and so many different things. So if you're curious, if your kid could benefit from OT, I would tell you yes. (laughs) I feel like no matter what your concern is, I feel like parents, typically developing kids, neurodivergent kids can benefit from the knowledge that OT can provide. So that's what I'm here to do is just spread the love of OT, spread what we can do. That's really cool.
0: You made a great point. There's such a huge range. So even within, obviously you were talking about within pediatric OT, but for those that don't know what OT is, can you start with the basics of that and then explain the specific type of therapy that you provide? Like can you kind of explain like what's behind the curtain of OT in general?
1: Yeah, I feel like my really short explanation of OT is we are able to give kids or whoever we're working with, honestly, an adult the skills, the adaptations to participate in the activities that are meaningful to them every day. So independence is what we are all about and and function. So can you participate in the activities that you want to do, need to do every day independently or with some sort of assistance, whether that be through adaptive equipment or visual cues, or maybe as minimal assistance from someone else but can you participate in the activities that you want and need to do every day so with kids a lot of my sessions look a little different every day depending on who the kid is what their needs are what their personality is like sometimes it's very structured sometimes it's you're leading the session I'm just kind of here to adapt or add changes or add a challenge to whatever you're doing in that moment And yeah, so we usually start with a lot of movement. It's very play-based. It's very movement-based. And then I usually go into some sort of skill or lesson, depending if we're working on regulation or fine motor or handwriting, and then end with some strengthening or a game. Uh, Yeah, it just kind of depends. But it's very movement-based. It's very play-based.
0: I love the way that you explained OT in general. And my sister is also an OT, but she has worked with the elderly population in hospitals and rehab centers. But that explanation really applies across the board. So thank you for that very clear explanation. Because I do think that like, people are not really sure, like, what's the difference between OT and PT or really even what that yeah. is. So that makes That makes perfect sense. So how did you decide on OT for a career? And then- within that, since we've already said it's such a broad field, how did you narrow down what you wanted to do in the field?
1: Yeah. So I've always wanted to go into some sort of medical field. I was very into sports. I played softball in college. I was kind of into physical therapy, exercise science. I ended up majoring in allied health with minors in psychology and nutrition and shadowed PT. And it just felt very like cut and dry for me with I'm more of like a creative person and I wanted to use that side of my personality a little bit more in my career so I looked and see what what, what's occupational therapy heard of it didn't really know what it was shadowed fell in love with it then I volunteered at a camp over the summer a couple summers in a row for kids with muscular dystrophy and this camp was a week long and it was just like The highlight of their entire year. They counted down the days from when they left to when they could come back. And they did that because that camp allowed them to participate in activities that they wanted to do that they couldn't do outside of camp swimming, rock climbing, canoeing, archery, arts and crafts, anything you can think of, we made it accessible to them. And so I was like, this is what OT is. This is how we make an impact is by allowing them to participate in activities they want to do. So I, the OTs came to train us on transfers and daily living tasks and their ADLs. Cause you were one-on-one with a kid the whole week. Wow! And so I learned from OTs from there and then started shadowing other OTs in the pediatric setting. I've, I love kids. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I get to play with kids all day. Like this is amazing. <laughs> So yeah, I just kind of went for it. And then I took a year off and did therapy through a big hospital, which is kind of like a therapy aid. And then got into school at Kettering College in Dayton and got my doctorate degree there and specialized in pediatrics.
0: That's really cool. And camp is a big part of my heart. It was a big part of my childhood. And now I I co-direct a summer camp. And so I got goosebumps while you were talking about it. So you kind of went in to OT knowing that you were going to end up working with kids. Okay. That's, yes. Yeah. That doesn't yeah, surprise for sure. me. That's great. Okay. Wait, what is allied health?
1: So allied health is an undergrad degree that kind of prepares you for grad school in a way. Hmm. A lot of my classmates did speech therapy or PT or OT, Uh, and it was just kind of like a broad spectrum of general health-related careers hmm. and basically prepared you to move on to something more specific.
0: Cool. I didn't know that. Thanks for explaining that. Cool. (laughs) So what are some of the things that you hear from parents or that you see in the kids that you work with? Once they've worked with you for a while or with an OT in general, what are some of the wins that people see from this type of work?
1: I think a big win for kids is just to feel more comfortable and confident in their skills, whether that be handwriting, is a big one, and regulation or social skills, or just being able to play amongst a group of kids. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my niche is getting kids ready for kindergarten. So Mm It's addressing fine motor skills, gross motor skills, and then just the parents also feeling confident and their ability to support their child at the home um, outside of our sessions. So I feel like for me, a lot of the times is I'm trying to work myself out of the job. Mm. I want to give parents the skills and the tools that I'm doing in the sessions, so they can do them throughout the week. Because so that's really where the magic happens is outside of our sessions.
0: Yeah, it totally does. I'm really curious. I, can we talk a little bit more about the aspect of your work where you're going into people's homes. I'm running through the A, logistics of that from a business perspective. I absolutely love what you said about helping them in their environments because you're right, like that's where they're going to need to use these skills. So that makes perfect sense. And then I hadn't considered the part about working in a clinic, like an outpatient clinic, about having the collaborators and the team mindset. So I'm so curious how you sort of actually balance that you know our listeners are people whose heart is in their work with kids so i completely understand the why now that you've explained it about why you're in the homes but how do you balance you know first of all i'm sure that means that you can have fewer kids per day and so okay. you can go deeper with them which is awesome but then how do you balance that sort of need for your own professional connection. Are there other people in your area doing this kind of work or do you have a team? Like how does it how does it all fit together? Yeah, it's a great question.
1: <laughs> and I feel like the collaborative aspect was something that I really, really missed early on, being in my car mm-hmm. thinking about the kids I'm working with or listening to podcasts about OT or business. And I was like, I really just miss that collaborative aspect. So I'm actually in a group of other women entrepreneurs that are in the therapy world in Columbus. Oh, so we're like the Central Ohio Allied Health Network. Okay. And so there's PTs, there's speech, there's OTs, and there's ones that have a bigger clinic. There's ones that are more small and do kind of what I do is mobile therapy. And so we are able to collaborate that way. I think Facebook groups have allowed me to collaborate more with other OTs. So like there's occupational therapy, pediatric groups that you can ask questions about treatment. And then I have a group of three other OTs that I went to grad school with, and we chat on Marco Polo daily. We collaborate talking about personal stuff, but also just career. And two of them are in pediatrics. And so that's been really helpful. And I'm also, it's been a year now, I'm a part of a collective of other business owners. They're all women right now. And a, two pediatricians started the practice. And it's a building where you have all of us under one roof. So you have your your pediatrician, you have me, you have speech therapy, you have PT, you have mental health, you have Kids' classes, there's music classes, oh, wow. there's yoga classes, there's speech classes, and it's all under one roof. And I'm there one day a week instead of going into the home. So that's been kind of nice to have that option for families and also to have, for me, that professional collaboration at least one yeah. day a week where I'm in the clinic. So yeah, that's kind of how I've been trying to balance it. It's been kind of a trial and error, a mix of what do I need at this point in my career and
0: Yeah. Do you see yourself bringing on other providers underneath the brand of confident kids therapy or do you think that doesn't really fit?
1: I wouldn't be against it, but I feel like for me and my ability to juggle all these different things, I like that it's just me right now. I'm very passionate about the kids that I work with. So it's like having someone else meet that same passion, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't
0: know. That's interesting. Okay. That totally makes sense. Well, kudos to you for continually connecting. I think that is the challenge. I imagine even more so with the type of work you do, but like for any business owner is finding, you know, when you're the business owner, you wear so many different hats. And so it is that constant reaching out and connecting and finding ways to do that. So that's really awesome that there seems to be so many resources and that that facility sounds really cool.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very, very nice. And I will say I have had undergrad interns come and either observe or they help me with social media content and creation. I've never been great at posting on social media. So that's always been kind of my weakness as a business owner is like marketing and the business aspects of things. So yeah, I recently hired my intern and now she's now a paid contractor. So she kind of helps me with the back end of things behind the scenes.
0: Well, that's so interesting that you say that that's not your forte, because I literally (laughs) was going to say that one of the things I really love about the way you run your business is your online social media profiles are so awesome. I follow you on Instagram, and I just really admire the way that your account really teaches. Like you're doing so much teaching and educating with your page. So it's so surprising to me to hear you say that that's not a strong suit of yours because I, from my view, it really is. And it's such a great resource for parents and caregivers looking for, I mean, explanations for one of just like terms and concepts, but then also ideas and resources for things they can try at home or in school. And it's also really aesthetically pleasing too. So it is a really beautiful page. So That's such a compliment. We'll link everything in the show notes because if you're listening and you're a parent of a young child, that is like top, top, top account that you should be following because you will learn on a regular basis. So I was going to ask you, you, like, how did you develop this great resource and why do you continue to pour into it? But maybe it's your intern.
1: <laughs> well, I think a lot of it too is like, I, like I said, I'm so passionate about parents knowing what OT has to offer. And so it was a big goal of mine. Okay, how am I going to do this? Well, I'm on Instagram all the time. Like when my kids go to sleep, I'm scrolling. I'm seeing all these feeds about parenting and learning from other healthcare professionals about things that I'm passionate about. So I knew that like, I have a lot of knowledge. I have this business. Let's get the word out there a little bit more. So that's why I did hire someone else to help because I can't manage seeing kids one-on-one, managing social media. So we do spend more time now, like, okay, what are we going to create? What is a good topic to discuss this month or this week? And now that I have that other person to kind of brainstorm mm-hmm. with is super helpful. And she recently got into occupational therapy school. So That's so cool. it's nice for her to have that background too. So Yes, the I did hire someone way back when, when I first started to help with the colors and the branding and like my personality, like really wanting to show through my brand as Confident Kids. And so that was really helpful to have. It's definitely been a team effort from other people that I've brought in to help me get this message in this brand out there. So yeah, I appreciate that, that compliment. So it's been a big goal and like a big push of mine.
0: You're doing a great job educating. I mean, like this is the opposite of gatekeeping. You're defining, you're showing, you're explaining ideas. Even if you're just curious about what a pediatric OT does, glance at her Instagram, glance at Kelly's Instagram, and you'll see there's just so much explained. So that's, so really kudos to you on that. Okay, this is a perfect segue into talking about other types of online teaching that you're doing. You're developing a course. Fill us in on what that is.
1: So I am developing a course called The Confident Kindergartner, and it's building the foundation for kindergarten success. And this came really from kind of what we've been talking about is like getting the word of OT out there and the power of OT. and. I've had a lot of kids in my caseload recently come up with like, okay, they're behind on fine motor skills or they're having a hard time playing with other kids or they're having a hard time regulating their emotions, which impacts their ability to do their daily tasks. And I don't know if it was it's always been this way or if like COVID had some sort of impact on kids that are now four, five, and six that are going into school, but I haven't come across a resource that's like this. So It's a course for parents to take, and it's six weeks long. You get one-on-one time with me weekly. You go through one module a week, and it's taking you through this roadmap. And I start with building a really solid foundation about understanding play-based approach to learning and multi-sensory approach to learning so that you can understand of how to make really any activity multi-sensory, play-based, and skill building. You can take any activity and work on skills without really you or the child even knowing. And being able to have that flexibility and that ability to do that, I think is really important. And then it goes into understanding sensory processing and then how that impacts our emotions and our regulation. And then I go more into the skill building aspect of it in terms of fine motor and gross motor skills and understanding the progression that kids go through and learning those skills and then activities to build them. And then the last part of that little roadmap that we're on is I feel like the the goal we want is independence and confidence mm-hmm. so how do we build independence how do we build confidence knowing what we know now and the activities and the theory behind everything pulling it really all together at the end and then just sending our kids off to school knowing that we prepare them the best we could and setting them up for success as I feel like kindergarten those early Years of kids is really foundational to setting them up to be a successful, happy, joyful person.
0: I love that. There's so much thought that you put into that. Who should take this class? What parents should take this? How old should their kids be when they start to really think about taking your course?
1: Ideally, between three and six. But I feel like if you're eager to get the ball rolling, eager to know how to help your child develop and progress through all of these different skills that they need to be meeting before school, I mean, you can start as early as you want, parents can go through this course, not feeling like there's a problem or an issue or a challenge that their child is going through, but just having a knowledge of what your unique child needs, as far as sensory goes, or as far as skill building goes, the knowledge is power to me. And I feel like I just want parents to have power and have that confidence in themselves to send their kids to school so any parent that has a child that is going to be going to kindergarten could benefit from taking the course
0: it sounds like you're giving parents a different lens to look at the things that they're already doing with their kids a different lens Mm -hmm. to look at like how they can support their kids instead of just like learn your abcs you're really giving them another set of glasses to look through different ways that they can support their kids absolutely are there any first steps that you can recommend? Obviously, everybody should take your course, but are there any like little nuggets or a favorite activity that you like to suggest that parents support their kids with when they're just getting started and gaining their own confidence and whether they can support their kid through this?
1: Yeah, I think my biggest tip is just involving your kid in everyday activities and letting them do things on their own as much as possible Supporting them, obviously, with whatever skill that they're working on, but just involving them in cooking, involving them in feeding the dog, involving them in putting away clothes and doing just those mundane tasks that you do every day. And it just gives them a sense of importance and responsibility, which builds their confidence. So, yeah, I just think involving them in everyday tasks is super, super important. A fun activity to do to really work on any skill through play obstacle courses are like OT's big jam. I love obstacle courses. I think they work on executive functioning skills, sequencing, initiation. They can work on really any skill. I practice dressing in an obstacle course and the kids think, oh, this is so much fun. Like we're buttoning. I'm like, yes, yes we are. And so, yeah, you can target gross motor skills and you can target Letter writing in any obstacle course and just make it really, just be playful, just be joyful with your child, get on the floor with them and play. Awesome.
0: One part of my business is a kids' yoga program, and obstacle courses are a big part of that as well. Crawl through a tunnel and do tree posts at the end, like winning, you know? Yes. Uh, Awesome. Okay, can we talk about kindergarten for a minute? It seems like so much has changed about kindergarten over the past, I mean, 10 to 15 years, but then certainly since I was a kid. For better and maybe also for worse. And so I'm curious, what changes have you seen in the world of kindergarten? And then how does this impact kids and what kind of skills do they need to be quote ready for it?
1: Yeah, I feel like there's high expectations for kids. I feel like there's this stress to make sure your kid knows all the things and can do all the things before kindergarten. And then during kindergarten, they have these high expectations. So yeah, I feel like it has changed. I feel like there's also two ends of that spectrum where there's like preschool and kindergarten is all play, 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 play. And then there's the other end of the spectrum where it's like, let's sit and do a worksheet and do circle time and do all these more like sedentary tasks where I feel like academics and play can be one in the same. Like we can do both at the same time. So I would love to see more of that. But... And I would also love for kindergarten teachers to know more about sensory needs and how to set up the environment for ideal learning and knowing more about like variation in seating and just the importance of giving kids movement throughout the day too. Because a lot of the parents I work with, a big concern is when their kids get home from school, it's a complete meltdown, it's behaviors, it's hard to transition it's they can't do anything at the end of school because they're so like we kept it together all day and we were so regulated all day but really on the inside they were dysregulated they're just following directions you know and so I just feel like if we could build like that balance between a lot of movement play throwing academics in there that way when they come home there's they're still a happy regulated kid.
0: It's like that restraint collapse that parents see so much. And, you know, they've held it together yeah. all day. And this is, that's one of the things that I'm really working to and really get the message across and and resources across in my work as well as, I mean, even from a movement standpoint, I'm coming at it from like a kid's yoga lens in order to help with a lot of the same mm-hmm. things that you're working on. and even kids' bodies, like you were talking about, the variety in seating. When we look at in a classroom or in a school setting where kids are doing much more of the sitting at desks and writing and things like that, their fine motor skills might advance because they're doing more penmanship and things like that. But then the, even the shape of their body of just sitting in the chair for so many hours as they're growing, it's so restrictive and they're not getting that latent energy out. And you then see more of the regulation issues. And so we're on the same train yeah. of trying to get more movement and play out there. And and so we'll just yeah. uh, keep, on, keep on fighting the good fight to allow kids to achieve those sure. academic goals, but still really incorporating play and natural movement. So I love that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I like also think about it too, as an adult working, like I need movement. Like if I had to sit for, if I sit for an hour, I'm just like, okay, I I need to get up and move my body. I need to refocus. I need to go outside. I need to get some fresh air. And then I can come back and be even more effective versus if I were to sit during that 20 minutes I moved I'm much more efficient in my work so
0: well, and like with the expansion of four k and three k in some areas too, like that's increases access in so many amazing ways to education to kids who might not otherwise yeah. get it, but there it's just sort of finding that balance between promoting the academic skills but also really allowing for the play and the movement and letting kids be you know kids be letting them be be playful kids, yeah. so
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: So if there's a classroom teacher that was listening to this, because we do have a lot of teachers and educators that listen to this, what are some ways, I mean, I know you sort of laid out the framework of letting the kids help them with things, but when you're a teacher and you've got 20 kindergartners in a room or, or even older <laughs> kids too, you know, how does the teacher really start to foster some of these skills and this, these learnings and opportunities for the kids to experience these things in a classroom setting?
1: Yeah, it's hard because I feel like I've never been a teacher. I've never been in charge of 20 plus kids. And I really thrive one on one with kids. But I just feel like involving them in like passing out the papers or passing out snack, giving them opportunities to help clean the room and foster those daily living activities that they need to learn. Yeah, just trying to be more mindful of like how much they're moving and how their environment is set up, really making sure that they had the opportunities available to them to move, whether that be doing some like brain movement activities or doing an obstacle course or <laughs> doing like animal walks to transition outside or doing animal walks to transition the other side of the room and yeah, just giving them opportunities to move their bodies and to contribute to the classroom and keeping it going.
0: Yeah. I love that cuz that doesn't add to like teacher's list of things to do because man teachers are teachers are amazing and they're doing so much and balancing so many demands. So I just love that those suggestions are things that You know, anybody who's working with kids, whether they're after school leaders or enrichment teachers, it'll help with so much of the the group dynamic and kids regulation and things like that. So I love all of those, those things. So what's next for you besides the course? What more do you have in the works? What are you dreaming up for the future? You've got so many awesome things that you've already done, but what's what's coming up?
1: I am continuing to do one-on-one therapy. I absolutely love that. I don't see that ending ever in my future. It'll always be a part of my business. I'm really excited about the course and getting the course out there. So I'm launching it January 22nd. The cart is open, it's ready and we'll start in February. And then I would love to do another round of the course in late spring. So if you're worried about what you're gonna do with your kid this summer, I got you covered. So you'll have all the knowledge ready to get them prepared for kindergarten during the summer. And then I definitely think more online courses for parents, and I want to do smaller ones, so not ones that are six weeks long, but more of like, okay, I'm really concerned about my kids' hand strength, and how do I build their hand strength for handwriting, or for, I mean, we need hand strength for a lot of activities, and it's really important, so what can I be doing to work on that, or what can I be doing as far as regulation goes, and understanding my kids' sensory needs, and really diving deeper into that aspect. So, yeah, I feel like I learn from parents and working with them and what their needs are. So things could pop up and change. But I really just want to create something, create courses that parents are looking for and needing. So learning from my audience.
0: I'm fully confident based on, especially the way that your Instagram teaches so clearly and in such a way that the courses will also do that. So I'm excited to see your journey through this and and you expand your reach in this way. So Kelly, if you could wave a magic wand on behalf of kids in 2024, what would you wish for them and what messages would you tell them? It's a great question. I think
1: just from working with kids and being around them is just to find your passion, like whether that changes throughout your life, just be passionate about something, because I feel like that drives us daily is our why and the things that we're really passionate about. Uh, So I feel like for kids, it's just to find that and it can change and that's okay. And I would tell them to just be joyful and kind. Those are the two biggest Mm -hmm. things I want to teach my own kids. So just to be joyful and kind to
0: others. I love that. How can people find you? Can you tell people where to find your course information and where to find you on social media, everything like that? Yeah. So I
1: am on Instagram at confident kids therapy, and you can join the wait list if you want to be the first to hear about when the course opens. And I'm mostly on Instagram right now. So you can find me there.
0: Awesome. We'll link everything in the show notes. Kelly, thank you so much for joining me today. I am really excited to see what's coming for you. I'm grateful that there are people like you doing the good work out there to improve the lives of youth. Thank you for being a part of this show. And we'll be back next time with another inspiring conversation. Thank you for having me. In It for Youth is a Lit Path Studios production. Music is by Inspiring Audio and Pond5. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And to learn more about this show and all other shows on the network, visit www.litpathstudios.com.